Imagine with me for a moment, close your eyes if you need to, that you are a kid, young, maybe six or seven. In this scenario, you are in a culture where you are not often seen or heard. Your value is in your future, not your present. You have no say, no voice, no place, no power. Keep imagining this. One day, someone really important, famous even, comes to visit your village, and while he's talking, he pauses. He looks right at you, sees you, places you right in the middle of everything, and says you matter. Are you imagining this? Okay, so my next question is, what's your first response? I think it's hard for us to truly imagine this moment because right now in our current culture, we place kids at a much higher place in society. They are seen, they are heard, they are loved. We already think they matter. We can't really imagine, most of us, what it would be like to be someone ignored and devalued, to be moved from the margins to the center and told you are worth so much more. Most of us cannot imagine this. But when I try, I think the first response I have is disbelief. This feels too good to be true. It's a whole new paradigm. It's just too good. It's just too good to be true. And that's where we start today's lesson. We always talk about placing each scripture story in context, and the context of today's gospel is that child. We pick up right where we left off last week. The child that Jesus sits on his lap and says, whoever welcomes one such as this welcomes me. This, this moment happens after Jesus is called the Messiah, after Jesus tries to tell the disciples what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes, after the transfiguration and some healings and some incredible moments, and after the disciples are caught arguing about who would be first. It is in that moment Jesus pulls this little kid from the outside to the center and says, it's like this one. This child is the context of today's gospel. There is no time or space or location change between Jesus pointing to this child and what comes next. It's all a part of the same moment. Jesus says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And John responds with, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him. It seems kind of like a non sequitur, right? John just blows off whatever Jesus says and moves on to something else except for that phrase, in my name, in your name. John is asking a clarifying question here. It's maybe a welcome change after the they were afraid to ask any questions of the past couple of weeks. He says, all right, okay, Jesus, if welcoming children in your name is good, what about healing people in your name? Don't stop them, Jesus says. Whoever does a deed of power in my name gets to keep doing it. It doesn't matter how it happens or where it happens or if we aren't there to see it or control it or have a say in how it goes or even reap the benefits of it. 
how brutal this feels, how familiar this feels. How much we like to make rules, how much I like to make rules and draw boxes and organize the world and the culture into good and bad and in and out. This is what we do, it's how we're wired. Columnist and author Debbie Thomas says, the disciples balk at an outsider exercising demons in Jesus' name. Never mind that this fellow is out there doing good. Never mind that he's alleviating suffering, healing brokenness, restoring people to community, and trusting in the name of Jesus to provide powerful and necessary healing. The problem remains he's not doing any of these things in the right way. He's doing it differently out on the margins, away from where the disciples might wield appropriate influence and control over his work. He's not following us, they say. What if this outsider gets the whole religion thing wrong? What if he doesn't say the right words in the right order? What if his unorthodox relationship with Jesus gains a following and forces the disciples themselves to shudder, change? Ain't that the truth? Don't stop him, Jesus says. Let him do what he's going to do, because good work done in my name is good work done in my name. Now this little verse, as many others have been, has been taken out of context very often and used in order to put a Jesus stamp of approval on any number of things. Segregation and slavery were long upheld in the name of Jesus. Same with the way the church has treated women and queer people. Colonization disguised as mission work, all totally fine if we just say it's in the name of Jesus. I think the key verse that is missed in our haste to justify all kinds of actions in Jesus' name is the phrase, the deed of power. The Greek word is dunamis. It means miracle. Dunamis is curing, helping, life-bringing, life-giving, restoring, healing work in the name of Jesus. Miracles. This is not about going maskless in the name of Jesus. This is not about calling human beings abominations in the name of Jesus. It's not even close to a deed of power. It makes people who use this verse to exclude and hurt others seem very, very wrong, as it should. And it reminds us, listening today, that every time we get in the way of this kind of life-giving, healing, restoring work, we are actively going against what God has in mind for the world. Now, just in case you think we don't do this, this isn't us, a couple of stories for you. I received more than one complaint from this community about collecting food and supplies and helping distribute them in South Minneapolis over a year ago after the killing of George Floyd. When are we going to help our actual neighbors? I was asked. I'm pretty sure Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan after being asked this very same question. Who is my neighbor anyway? When I was a part of raising money to help residents who we might consider our actual neighbors living in 
Brooklyn Center, across from the police department this spring, I was asked, why did you give them the money? Why didn't you get them gift cards to Cub or Target or Walmart? Why did you just give them all the money that was left over? Had the words ringing in my ears of someone who lived in those apartments saying, why can't I just be trusted to know what's best for me and my family? Why does someone else get to decide what I need most? What if someone is healing in your name, but they aren't one of us, Jesus? This is where today's gospel pokes and prods and yet even hurts a little bit. Because if we're really honest, we can see ourselves in the disciples. We are the disciples, asking these same questions and getting an answer quite opposite of the one we were expecting. Don't stop them. So then you might wonder if you're feeling kind of poked right now, it's fine. You might wonder what's the good news then for today? I mean, it's hard to hear the scripture that we heard today about cutting off limbs and gouging out eyes and ending it with the fire is never quenched and feel like, all right, I can leave feeling like I heard some good news there, right? We can't ignore what Jesus says, that anyone who prevents or blocks or slows someone's relationship to God may as well be thrown off a cliff. This is high stakes stuff. And Jesus makes sure we feel it. The word Jesus uses that we translate as stumbling block is scandalizo. We get our word scandalize from it. The literal meaning is to trip someone up. And he says, if, that, if that's something in you, if you are tripping someone up, then you're better cutting it off, having one arm or one eye than hanging on to those parts of you that hurt others. See, this, this text can feel disjointed when we forget where we came from, right? Arguing about who's first and who's last and what the kingdom of God's going to look like and who's most important. It's all about being the ones who can either help or hurt someone's journey to encounter the living God. So it's extra hard then today to recognize ourselves in the disciples, the line drawing and the rulemaking and the power grabbing, to know that some of the very real tendencies we have to exclude, to hurt, to scandalizo, those are what we need to have torn out and throw into the sea. So yes, it makes the good news hard to find from this perspective, and I get that. But I believe deep in my core that the gospel today is that we are also the child in this story. Because Jesus says every word of today's gospel with that kid on his lap. We are brought from the outside in. We are brought from being invisible to visible. Jesus outright condemns the ways in which people have placed stumbling blocks in front of you, in front of your faith, Jesus looks at you and says, you matter. And when you are that child on his lap, it feels too good to be true.
The good news is, as it seems to be a lot in Mark's gospel, is that the kingdom of God does not work the way you think it does. The good news is that power or proximity to power do not hold the value we think they do. The good news today is that the most valuable part of the kingdom of God is you and me and all of us, which is really hard to hear if you're at the top of the food chain, but it's really, really good news if you're one who's always been ignored and you were just raised up publicly and named as someone who matters. It's a big deal. And that's why we're still here. It's why I'm still here, why I still come to listen to the words of Jesus, why we still care what happens to those in and outside of the church. The stakes are so high. And there are so many for whom the kingdom of God still sounds too good to be true. We get to do this life-giving, healing work with God. We get to. What a joy, what a gift it is to be a part of it. What a risk it is to be a part of it. Again, as Debbie Thomas says, the truth is we're called to be God's generous and welcoming hosts. Hosts who throw the doors of the kingdom wide open Hosts who understand that there is enough divine goodness and mercy and justice to go around. Hosts who trust that God can handle our diversity and delight in it as well. Hosts who respond with joy and gratitude whenever deeds of power are done in Jesus' name. Hosts who long for the day when all the Lord's people will be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. The stakes are high but we get to be a part of it. This morning, Jesus looks at you on the outside, feeling however you feel, and says, you matter, you belong, and we're in it together. Amen. So this morning we've been reminded that the work of God continues and so we take the reminder that we have of who we are and what we are about and what God is about in the world and we take it with us as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.